Hey everyone, this is Founders365 with me, Stephen Hagti, and today we have serial triathlete, let me get this right, an Ironman, property investor, you run a team of 80 people, and I think that's about it. Anyway, your name is Graham Page, and you're on this show. Did I get all that right, or have I missed something? You got you got most of that. You forgot the bit about being a property investor as well. But property we investor. can talk about that later. There we go. <laughs> So, man that is on the outside would be seen to be spinning a few plates. Let's put it that way. Yeah. So, let's <laughs> jump into it. How did you get to this stage of your life where you're spinning these plates and doing it in a successful manner as well, I might add? Yeah, that that that, that is a question that I actually get asked quite often, is that, is that how can I do so much when but keep everything going mm. and, and I'm, I'm asked i'm asked this quite, quite quite often and the answer is actually very very simple you've got to set your system and your process up so that you are not involved in absolutely everything and you've got to trust other people to run your processes so for example at the minute i, I so I, I i must admit i am famous or known within certain communities for the art of doing everything but doing nothing and what that what that means is I want to be doing everything and I want a very busy life and I want to be very hectic and I have to have a project going on, but I want to do nothing of it. So the mm. only way that I can do that is get other people to do it for me. So that's either through delegation and setting up the right systems and processes and controls so that, you know, while we're on this call here, my virtual assistants in the Philippines are doing property searches while I'm at my day job because I have a full time day job in a, in a large pharmaceutical company kills my time but you know i still i still love it and i'm good at it i have people in that team doing stuff for me and people run my property business for me as well so for me joint venturing and doing it all yourself so joint venturing is the way forward the, the mm. moment you start doing it all yourself what happens is you start constricting what you can do and you know your time is limited so when i was training for triathlon at one point i was doing 20 hours a week just on training going to the gym so Saturdays would be six-hour bike rides. Sundays would be an hour and a half run, two hours every single week. Mm. You know, swim in the morning, then do entrepreneur business stuff in the morning, then go and do a day job, then train an hour in the evening, maybe two hours, and run a business. And so have a family. Well, how the hell do you do all of that? And it's about actually focusing on what you really want to do that's important to you mm. and set those structures up so that you can do the have the life that you want to live. And – through that, for me, the training was the most important thing for me at the time. It's not yeah. anymore, but it, but it was the most important thing. So I set all my systems and the processes that I was running up, whereby I wouldn't do anything myself. I do it once, but then it's gone. I want to give mm. it to somebody else to do. And I would then want them to take the ownership and just to run it. Because otherwise, you know, when you run your own business, you know, M Michael Gerber goes about the on the e-myth, you can't be in your business thinking about the strategy that you want to do because you're in the detail. Mm -hmm. You've got to get yourself above it and start looking at, right, where do I need to go? Where's my vision? Where's my strategy? So that other people can do this piece here and you can go, well, actually, look, I can spin this plate and do this and do this, do this, do this. But you only do that when you have a team or people around you to make that happen for you. Exactly. When you first started coming into this, was that, some, was that a forefront of your mind or did you do a bit of trial and error to figure out what you actually enjoyed doing versus what you wanted to outsource? It, it was really interesting because 
as part of my as part of my pro property training, um, I I went to uh, one a company if I'm allowed to mention Progressive, yeah, and, right. and did um, no money down coaching. I uh, did no money down and went to the coaching course, mm -hmm. and I met I met a crazy Irish guy called Kevin McDonald, and he said, "Well, let, let's have a look at why aren't you getting anything done? Why are you really frustrated?" And you know, we started doing the typical thing whereby you start mapping out your time on the day and going right. How many hours am I watching Facebook? How many hours are going to Game of Thrones? How many hours are sitting by kids' swimming pools? All of that stuff, you know, the time-wasting stuff. And he just went to me, Graham, you, you don't have time. You literally don't have any time. And he goes, and, and I was like, well, what am I going to do? I spent X, X thousands of pounds on this. I want to be successful. He goes, well, you've got to do something different. You need to get some help. And he then said the magic words, do you know anything about outsourcing? And I went, well, actually, yeah. And he goes, well, why? And I said, well, I do it in my day job. And it never, I'd never really worked out that what I did in my day job or my previous life, the skills that I had there, I could apply to, mm. to property and, and, and in, into business and to the VA business I run now, because they seem like two separate worlds, like this barrier down the middle, down the middle. And everyone has these skill sets that they've done previously in the past that they can then apply into a different area. And what then happened was, you know, I was sitting on the table at the mentorship thing. And he said, oh, he comes back next month. He goes, right, okay, so what's Instagram? What have you done then? You know, you, you said you knew about outsourcing. And I just went, I did this, 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 this. And everyone's just like, well, <laughs> literally, open gob. They couldn't believe the amount that I'd done. I'd gone from nothing to 400 things. But that was because I'd, I got a VA. I'd interviewed a VA. But the challenge you have when you, get, you first get your VA, you put your ad up, and you go, well, I've now got 500 responses. How the hell do I filter them? Yeah, you need a How VA. To, you need a VA to interview the VAs. <laughs> Near enough, or you need a process or a funnel to actually weedle out the ones. Uh, so we use we use a really cool technique called the blue, the um, the blue M and M test. Mm -hmm. So what you do actually in there is part of it is say, oh, when you respond back, you've got to say that your favorite M and M is the blue M and M. And fundamentally, everyone who doesn't fill that in gets straight out, goes straight away, yeah. because they can't follow instructions. So therefore, they're not right for your business. Mm. So you take, so you, so you, you again, you have to have a process or a system to get rid of the people out, so that you could actually do it. I was lucky enough to run teams in India for eighteen years, and, and I still, and I still do. But when you first start it over there, the bigger challenges you actually have are around trust, control, and ownership. You know how you know I, I, I see it in my day job now. The, the boss wants everybody sitting around the table next to me so they can eyeball you and see what you're actually doing. For me, I'm, it doesn't matter where you're located, whether you're in the UK, India, three and a half thousand miles, Philippines, 6,000 miles, Australia, New Zealand. It doesn't matter as long as the work gets done. And if you come with that mindset and you put, again, a process in there which says, how do I keep control and understanding of what these people are doing? And I can see the delivery coming through. It shouldn't actually matter that you're not sitting next to them. You know, the the fact that, you know, it'd be lovely to sit have my PA sitting next to me here and I'm looking over their shoulder. Yeah, great. But if you got somebody in the UK who's down the road or in Manchester or in Sheffield, oh, I'm in London, it's the same thing with their 3,000 miles away. And, and the reason why it doesn't work is that people don't trust the other, the VAs and the work that they're doing to do what they're meant to be doing. And they're thinking, yeah. well, they're surfing the internet. I'm paying these people and I'm surfing, they're surfing the internet all day. They're doing all of this, all of this, all of this. But the mindset shift that I had was actually, it doesn't matter how long they take. 
as long as you can see the consistent delivery coming through and for example if they're doing facebook on social media the posts are going up mm. you're, if you're doing lead generation you're getting the lead generated through your crm system as long as you can see the output re results then you will you will have that control in place uh, but you've also got to give them the the brevity to actually go i can't do this and you've got to understand that sometimes they're actually frightened of you and they won't express what they're thinking and they're feeling. So you've actually got to create a culture of whereby they can bring up their challenges and, and their issues and, and, be, and be not frightened of that and be actually go, you know, I, I, was, I was interviewing a VA tonight and, um, and, and I was like really mean to her, absolutely mean because I was going, well, I'm going to be like this. You know, I want it done now. I want it done. I want, I want 25,000 followers on my Facebook page. And I want it done in six weeks. Are you going to make it happen? And she just and and I've seen VAs in that situation go, oh, oh yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, but this one just went, no, that that's not realistic because Bing, 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 Bing. And I went, yeah. that's the type of person I want to work with because they they know their stuff. Mm. They're the experts in the area, and that's why you employ them. And then and they're frightened. They're not frightened of going back, going, going, Graham Stephen. You're talking shit, mate. <laughs> you're talking shit. This is the way that we do it, or the way it should be done. Exactly. The one thing you brought up there, which is really interesting, is the trust factor. How do you think people can gain more trust to be able to outsource better in their business? Oh. How do you gain more trust? So, 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 so typically the trust piece comes from not knowing what they're doing. Mm. So it's actually more about control. So there's, there's, there's two ways that you can do it. One is you can put the right system and communication process in place. So we, we use Asana, um, which is our, the main tool that we use for, for workflow management. But you, there's, there's other ones out there. A lot of people use Slack and everything. And the beauty about Slack and the beauty about Asana is about the communication channels. So like you, you and I are, you know, we're on Facebook most of the day and we're on Facebook chat pinging everybody. It should be a dialogue between you and your employees so you can understand what they're doing. But again, again, the problem that you have with that is if they're pinging you every two minutes to say what they're doing is that you get drawn into their stuff, mm. not doing your stuff. And that's fundamentally breaks the rules of actually doing the outsourcing. So what you need to do, and this, and the way we have our Asana set up, which is actually bog standard, free out the box, is you have the inbox, so you can see when they're doing updates, and they'll go in and post on their update. Yeah, this is done in progress, up to up doing, and that will pop into my inbox. I scan it once a day or twice a day, literally ten minutes. Yeah, I can see what's going on. I know they're delivering, or there's a question in there that they're waiting on an answer back for me, and then I can also see when they're actually done. So they'll mark it as done. It'll pop up as done in my inbox. And I go, cool, I know it's done. So you build trust that way by, by them demonstrating the delivery. I, the other thing is that I, I don't, I also have a different view because I don't people, I don't typically pay people by the hour. I pay them by the delivery. And, okay. the, and, and it's taken me, so I've gone through the, the process uh, for the last two years, actually, whereby you give a person a task. And they'll do one task and then you, then they'll go, what's the next one? And you have to give them the next task and then you have to give them the next task and the next task. So actually what you're doing is you'll end up, it's a bit like a slot machine. You mm. keep on feeding it with the coins and it's really, and it, and that takes and sucks a lot of, a lot of your time. 
So what we've done is we've changed our process now whereby we go, what I call an, it's like an end-to-end -end project. So for example, all my marketing for um, BPN Blackfriars, which happens every, every month, is done by the offshore team. So they have like five or six tasks, which is like do MailChimp, post on Facebook, do this, connect, create the, um, the, the PowerPoint slides, Mm -hmm. reach out to the speakers, book all these bits and pieces. There's about nine or 10 things I have to do. And instead of giving them nine or 10 tasks, one after the other, you go, right, this is the block of tasks that you've got. This is the project. I'm expecting you to deliver that. All you have to do is ask me what you need to make that happen. So it could be, oh, we've got the speaker coming. Okay, what's their email address? Here you go, bang, that's it. And then they'll go bing, 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 bing all the way through. So you're then putting in place an exception by management process whereby the only time they actually contact you is when they need help. Mm -hmm. And that's the way that you know that they just get it done. Yeah. And that takes you away from feeding that machine because you go, you got 10 tasks there. I'm just assuming that you're going to get it done unless you speak to me and tell me otherwise. Yeah. It's a sleek operation you've created. So let's go back to why you first got into property or wanted to get into property because you said something again earlier about actually you've got a day job but you enjoy it and you like mm -hmm. it which I think is a really key bit because there's so many people out there trying to get away from situations <laughs> but you're in a situation where actually you quite like your day job you're enjoying yeah. it and yet you still went down this path so let's let's dive into that in terms of the why and and how you managed to do that yes okay uh now you're touching on a nasty little no but anyway we'll, we'll go with it um, so I've been now I've now been in the company 23 years near mm -hmm. enough. So pretty much a life straight out of university, done wow. a wide variety of different jobs in, in the company. Um, and I got so so throughout my career, what had been happened is I found that I was very good at delivery. So taking people's ideas and making things happen. So it's about project plans, it's about execution, it's about getting shit done excuse my language yep. getting the stuff done making it happen so you've got all of these people who do all the blue sky thinking and then they go oh yes we want to go to the moon and then my job was then to make that happen to build the rocket and then launch the damn thing and what happened was i i i got invited to come onto a project which is a big it was a 25 million pound project uh, to be the design lead now the problem i had with it with that was it's one of these big programs and it's like a juggernaut and I was not fit for the job. It was the wrong job for me. It was not right for my skill set. I didn't know that at my time because I'd always been going down the route of people going, oh, yes, um, you need to learn about this and you need as part of your development plan, you need to learn about this or this or this or this. And what I've learned from, from the experience that I'm going to tell you about is that actually now you should just stay in your zone of brilliance of what you're absolutely love and passionate about and what you're good at and screw the rest, find someone else to manage that, just get them to do that. So for me, it's just all about delivery. But so I was in this program and and, and what, what actually happened was, the, the, the short story was, I got spat out by the program. Um, I had a breakdown and um, I, got, I got burnt out basically, took six months off um, out of work, paid counseling, couldn't sort of focus on anything. The relationship with the wife had deteriorated the kids, Mr. Shouty. I'd stopped training, put on tons of weight, started drinking. Wasn't very nice to be around. And yeah. that was all part of the 
the piece of the stress of the job and not being able to deliver and not having the right skills to deliver that. Mm-hmm. And at that point, I then did um, a friend of mine said, well, have you heard about this course? So I went on something called Landmark, which was um, yeah, Landmark, Landmark Form, which, is, which is a bit like Tim Robbins, but just a bit sort of dulled down and everything else like that. Um, and I and I went to that and I was like, whoa, absolutely started changing the way that I started thinking, you know, got rid of the stuff in the past, understood why I was like I was, found out I was very angry with the world and my family, and then started moving into the space of actually, what am I doing here now and where do I want to go? Mm-hmm. And I'd always been in, in into property. Um, I'd liked it because liked it my mum had been in it originally. But I'd never done it, and I'd always had the stigma from her, actually, well, you'll never be into property because I do this, I do this, this is my bag. So I had this limiting belief put on me by my parents to say that I'd never be anybody, I'd never make it, let alone in an area where my mum was the expert. So Mm. don't even go there. So whatever I was going to do is a failure. So I went to multiple streams of property income, and then I just listened. Um, I got a, I raised a hundred thousand pounds from a joint from an investor from somebody I worked with who worked with on a project. He knew that I was trustworthy. Um, you know, four and a half years later, he still invested with me. Haven't really? run off to Vegas with his money. <laughs> um, and I and I bought my first house um, with his money, and I put fifty k refinance money, and I bought a three bed house in in sunny Southall. Yeah, which uh, for those on the line who don't know Southall, Southall is predominantly a very Asian area. So so if you'll excuse me putting this way, I'm going to be racially incorrect now, if that's all right. So when I walk down the street in Southall, you get the twitching of the windows from the people going, what's Whitey doing down here? Literally, it's like that. But wow. the thing is, though, it's not about me. I don't want to live there. It's my tenants who want to live there. They're all Indian. Mm-hmm. so that's my customers so that that's what they were where they want to live and they want to stay not where i want to stay i just own the house and look after the guys because yeah. they actually work with me and then from them i went on to the no money down course and then became the mentor and then i i found that actually i could be more because of the time constraints i was limited limiting myself of what i could do i couldn't do it all myself so i actually made an active decision from being a project manager who massively in control, project plans, detail, detail, detail to go, actually, I can't do this for myself. I've got to use other people and work with other people and use other people's skills to be successful. So I've changed my approach completely and gone, well, actually, now I, instead of, instead of doing this much, I can, I can go, I can, no, on my own, I can do about that much to there. But with other people, I can do that. And I've had, you know, I've, I've had one JV partner, which is the first one, we did six properties together. Unfortunately, that's now broken up, made lots of money. But again, education. I wouldn't approach the next JVs that I've got in the same way. Um, so that was a massive learning lesson, how to avoid catching fleas with joint venture partners, buying companies, and so on and so forth. And then the other three we've now, the other three JVs I've got are going from strength to strength. And we're doing, oh, how many now? Uh, we did five in five months. In, HMOs in London, got another two coming on board, and each one of those is about nine hundred, eight to nine hundred pound net. So the idea is to grow from twenty units this yeah. year up to one hundred and fifty, and plus on another business I've got to go at least to do another twenty properties. Amazing. So for me, the passion is about the growth and helping people because it's it's 
what I learned from the from the the breakdown was the company didn't love me anymore, mm. and it wasn't going to look after me, and so I had to do something for myself. And it's taken me three or so years to work out what the best way that is, and that's just been literally through trying something, failing, trying mm-hmm. something, failing, trying something. Oh, little bit of success. We made it. Trying something else, failing. You know, but it's through that iterative process is the way that you learn. So it's not like I've suddenly become this massive overnight success. It, it, it's it's through years of consistent graft and building momentum yeah. that people don't understand that um, that it's it takes time. You don't just suddenly appear as this multi-million pound person overnight. It doesn't happen. It's all the work that's gone into it, all the hours and hours and hours of effort, pain and suffering to where you are and, and the, to get there. Mm-hmm. And people just don't see that. They, they, they think it's going to be easy, you know. They think it's yeah. just going to be, oh, I'll just go out there and make a multi-million pound business, or sell all this, or, or get all these properties. And they think it's just going to land in their lap. And it's it just doesn't work that way. And you've got to have the the absolute right, right mindset to to keep going and keep going and keep going. Exactly. And From your experience now, can you when you're in a room uh, mentoring fellow, you know, young property people? Um, can you now see who's sort of got it and who hasn't? Who's who wants the overnight success? (laughs) Who's willing to put the next seven years on the line to get it? Yeah, you can clock them in five minutes literally, five minutes conversation with them, really. Yeah, because the one, the ones that the ones that are going to make it are the ones who've got absolute clarity of where they want to be. Mm. they are they know their why inside out they know what they want their life to look like when they get there they've got this focus and this determination and you know i you know i've mentored now over over 100 odd people coming through the mastermind and the other courses that i do and that's that one thing if you don't have the base mindset in place of believing in yourself and saying well i'm going to be successful and i'm going to make it and Yes, I am going to fail, but during the hard times and the difficult times when I'm feeling down, I've got this goal and this massive vision that I want to achieve, and I'm really clear what it's going to give me when I get there. Mm. And as long as I make steps every single day towards that or being a better than yesterday and making my way to I will get there. It's not a question of if, it's a question of when. And some people it happens very fast and some people it happens very quickly. You know, we have, we have people in, in, in the group where, which, will, which will go through – the mastermind of seven months and get no results. Wow. They've been putting in that work. And on month eight, they get the first property. Month nine, they get properties number two and three. And month 10, they get the next four. So it just goes vroom like that. Yeah. But everyone sees, but everyone's going, oh, I'm just like this. So it's flat. And then they're waiting for the up. But too many people give up and go, this isn't working for me, or this technique doesn't work, or this online marketing doesn't work because they haven't given it enough time and they haven't been consistent and, and thorough enough with their approach. So yeah. you've got to have that mindset of always keeping going and, and never giving up because you, you know, you only, you only fail when you stop. You only fail when you, when you just go right, screw this. I'm just, I'm just going to quit and go get a day job or something else. Yeah. And, and you know, everyone has ups and downs. Everyone has bad times, but it's during those bad times you really you really learn about yourself, and that's the times when you want to be part of a tribe or community for people who are going through the same stuff as you, 
mentor, mm. sorry. And, and then they go, look, I was in this and this is what I do. And so for me, community, tribe, mentorship, coaching is, is absolutely essential because you see too many people going there and just like doing stuff and then going, oh, just giving up. And, and I think I read a stat recently that if you, uh, the, the dropout rate of if you go on a course and just try and do it yourself versus the, the you get yourself in a tribe or in a group of like-minded people who are supportive of you and are going through the same stuff as you. The difference between the success rate, I think, is about 6% if you do it on your own, but 50% if you're actually in a group. Nuts. So you're actually 10 times in your chances yeah. of being successful. You've got the other 50% to do as well, because that's around mindset. Yeah, that's the actual vision. Yeah, There's other bits on top. Yeah. But, you, but if I could just say to you, stay in a group and you'll take your 10 times your chances of actually being successful. Mm. Most people will go, oh, where do I sign up for that Facebook group? <laughs> <laughs> you know? and, and that's all it is. You know, there's enough groups out there. Yeah, exactly. Do you think there's, to be on the you know devil's advocate, do you think there's too many groups out there too many training platforms out there especially within the property side of things there's a few people that have blown up recently um <laughs> and there's a lot of noise at the moment i'm yeah. sure we both know what that noise is yeah and obviously that's slightly damaging in some ways but what do you think is where do you think it's going where do you think the whole property training property mentoring side of the world is heading simply put i think it's towards regulation um so so I, I so i've seen quite a few people who've gone on a three-day course they've then done uh, maybe two or three properties and then they've set themselves up as a training course charging twelve thousand pounds a year or three thousand pounds for two days or something like that and they have no experience of coaching they have no experience of mentoring and they're so new it's for me that that that's that that is that 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 that's wrong because they've been successful in what they do but actually i i you know i don't i, I personally think that you got to earn your stripes before you got the right to say yeah i i can offer a coaching course you know what are the results that i've got for other people mm. <laughs> and that's often very hard but but the also the the other problem and and I've and I've had coaching on this and struggled with this is that when you get even with my coaching clients the hardest part for me is I want them to be successful and the hardest part for me is the frustration I feel when they don't do it do something when you tell them to do and the hardest part is then when they ask for their money back because it's not working it's like well hold on I've told you what to do you haven't done it and now you want your money back oh this doesn't work but actually the accountability sits on that person who is going for the mentoring or the course or whatever it is, to take what they've learned and then to implement it. Yeah. And the old phrase about you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink, I think is very true. And it's taken me you know, six to nine months of coaching to actually get to that point and say, I can help them, but I can't do it for them. Yeah. And if you look at the bit, and if you then you sort of take the volume from where I'm, I only have about 10 clients, but if you then go up to some of these bigger, the bigger companies where they're doing thousands of people a month or over the year, you're always going to get some negativity and you're yeah. always going to get um, some people who will want their money back or haven't done it or said the course doesn't fulfill things mm. and or they're in difficult situations. 
so you have to question, I think, around the sales techniques is obviously is one of is one of the areas. Um, but also, I think that the actual individual has also has has a responsibility themselves to decide whether or not the course is right for them or not, and not necessarily should be caught up in it. And maybe they put in place cooling off periods. You know, yeah. Yeah. I, I think no, I completely agree. Regulation and I think regulation in the whole coaching industry is is going to be yeah. something that needs to come into effect. Um, yeah. I'm a big advocate of that in terms of training and, and coaching and all that kind of stuff. Uh, another thing I just want to touch on is your the triathlete stuff and the Ironman stuff. Do you think? Do you think you being in the mindset of being able to do a triathlete, which is or triathlon even, sorry, which <laughs> yeah. is just um, mind boggling to most people? Uh. Do you think that helps in your business success? Uh, yeah, I, I, unbelievably. So, so you know, I, I have my mug here, which my wife was kind enough to give me. It says Mr. <laughs> Ironman. But it's also Mr. Silly on the bottom, yeah, <laughs> which is about right. So, so, so I've done I've done two Ironman triathlons, which is a 2.4-mile swim, a 112-mile bike ride, and then a marathon. Back to back, no stopping. Crazy. Crazy. Done it twice. But what? But I'm all I'm going to say is, were there long hours? Were the sweat, tear, and pain? Yeah. But was the outcome? Was the outcome most important? No. What was more important was the journey and what I learned through the journey mm. of all the of the years of training to get there. Because, you know. I started off with a sprint triathlon, which is which is a relatively short one, and then went up to a, 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 an Olympic distance, and then a half Ironman, and then up to the Ironman. And every single time I did one, I failed on loads of stuff, and that made me become stronger. And I learned from the experiences. So that for me was about. By the time I got to the first the the, the, the first one, and what happened was it challenged off. So I I I'd, I'd gone out there with my mate of mine and. Um, I'd gone there with plan A, B, and C of what I was going to do, but I hadn't worked out that it was 38 degrees. Mm. So all those plans went out the door. And you go, well, what are you, what are you actually going to do now? Because you couldn't run. I couldn't walk. There's a cutoff time point. Um, am I going to finish was the first question. And it's like, you know, I spent two years for doing this. I am going to finish this. So that mindset and that determination was there. And it was literally at one point I was I was having to be, I was walking maybe 100 yards and running 10. I couldn't do anything else that because of cramps. And finishing that totally gave me the belief that anything you put your mind to, you can achieve. Anything. Because you just got to do enough training, get enough learning and implement what you learn and get into action and do it every single day. Mm. will get you there you will arrive you will do it you can do it one, one actually one of my one of my, my coaches that I, I met at landmark he, i spoke to him about my ironman and he said you're so you're, you're amazing and inspiring i want to do an ironman and this guy was 24 stone wow. never run before never biked before never swam before i got him round in one year he did the Ironman in Tembe, which is up and down. He finished in 17 hours, 56 minutes. Wow. He is an Ironman. This guy, no disrespect, massive. Now, if he can get round that mm -hmm. on his own from nothing in a year, 
I wouldn't recommend it to other people, by the way. <laughs> but if he can do that, anybody can do anything. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of a lot of the stuff is that if people don't believe that they can do it themselves and they start looking at their limiting beliefs about why they don't believe it and you can go into that mindset piece about all the limiting beliefs and start dragging those out when you start looking at those the key piece is you've got to believe in where your vision is and where you're going that you're going to achieve it it's okay not to know how you're going to get there or how long but as long as you've got that massive vision and that massive why you you can achieve anything absolutely anything so i now look at and go oh i'm raising five million pounds this year everyone goes you're mad and i go yeah <laughs> don't know how the hell i'm gonna do it but i'm gonna do it because exactly. i believe i can do it and i know i'll do it and it's just that piece of you know i'm gonna make this happen and yes it'll go up and it'll go down and there'll be lots of downs and lots of ups yeah but it will happen and even if i raise three million still pretty good going it's still damn good going yes exactly yeah. so so <laughs> Stop selling everyone. Stop selling yourself short. You can do it. You just got to believe that you can do it, and you just got to get out there and get into action. It's not yeah. going to land on your lap. Exactly. How do you now? How do you push yourself now? How? What? What do you? How do you set yourself goals like the triathlon? That goal of that two-year training period. What yeah. do you do now? What's What's new in your life that's that's motivating you? What's new in my life? Well, getting back to fitness is getting is one because I felt I did fall off my bike um <laughs> and i tr I trashed the bike and um i've got stitches in the arms oh, and, a nice. and a nice trip to a and e and everything 22 stitches six sure. and a half hours in a and e and a broken bike all i can say is railings and bikes at 22 hours miles an hour don't go together they're not friends so so, so the the difficult bit i've got now and i think people can relate to this is you can't judge where you are where you used to be so I used to be able to run hour and a half, a certain pace, certain time, really easy. Now, because of the injury and me coming back, I put a bit of weight on, happens to everyone. Uh, but I can't even run four miles. Mm. I can't even do a 5K. And before I was zipping around 5Ks like as if it was just like a nothing. So the worst bit thing you can do is to go, oh, I used to be able to do this. I used to do this. And it's like, well, I'm sorry, but you've yeah. got to focus on now. Where are you now? what what is your base starting point and where do you want to go to because you've got to have that vision and i set my vision one year out i actually have five three one-year visions so I'll, I'll start off with this massive great big vision about where i want to be what i'm doing who i'm with etc um who i'm seeing what's my and i actually go down to the level of what my perfect days looks like and then wind it back about what do i need to achieve in three years and then one year and then from that i then actually break it down from one year as a goal, as a as an objective, and I and I actually put in KPIs about how much money's coming in, how many properties, what revenue, how what size of my team is, how is my life, what am I doing, all of these things. So it's completely measurable. I then drill that down to where I'm going to be in six months, and that's how do I get to there. And then I do three months, and then we look at three month sprints because these work really really well. Because if you focus on a twelve month thing often when you get there it's not there yeah so you have to have your target completely aligned from the three year to the one year down to the week level so we do a i do a three week uh, sorry a three month sprint which then we call projects so each month has one project in there and yeah. i then break that one that that down into weekly buckets and then i get the laser focus because i can say that project is going to align to what i want in three months 
Mm-hmm. And that aligns to what I want in six months and that aligns to what I want in one year. So I've got absolutely clear line of vision of what I'm doing at this precise time at the moment. Where is it going to get me? How it's going to get me there? So I can go, oh, I'm looking at Facebook cats now. <laughs> is this going to get me to where I want to be to a multi-million pound business? And then I can actually have, make a choice and a decision go, actually, yeah, it's all right. I'm prepared not to have a multi-million pound business. Or you can go, get rid of that phone, get on with some work. Yeah, and it, and, it, and it can be, and you can use that as a technique as well for everyone is, has probably come across the old shiny penny syndrome whereby, oh, distraction, 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 and you start learning stuff and you never implement any of it. With this method, what happens is you get absolutely laser focused and you can go, if this is not aligned with where I want to go, don't do it, gone. If it is aligned, do it. Yeah. And then you can go down the route of using the Eisenhower method to then go, actually, do I do it? Do I get someone else to do it? Do I delegate it, et cetera, and so on? Exactly. And that's how you shove stuff off to the, the outsourced thing. Yeah, that's back to where we began. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sorry. <laughs> no, I, no, I want perfect. everything, but I don't want to do it myself. It's perfect. You know, why not? Build teams, make sure they're doing what you don't want to do. Um, for you, what my, my final question to you tonight, Graham, is, yeah. and I, I warned you about this one, but what yeah. are three things that you could give to fellow founders, entrepreneurs, property investors that is going to help them on the journey? And you've already dropped so many value bombs on this chat today, which I'm so thankful for. Okay, so uh, I think the first one is you've got to believe that you can do it. You've got to have this unnerving vision that's going to drive you through the, the bad times. So if you want to be like a marathon runner, You've got to know, I want to be a marathon runner and I'm going out running when it's pissing rain and it's three degrees outside and it's cold and miserable and everyone else is on the sofa and it's six in the morning and why the hell am I doing this? You've got to have that vision of the why and to believe that you can achieve it. That's the first one, I'd say. The second one is don't exchange money for time. Mm-hmm. You c- Money is infinite. Time is finite. You won't get the hour back. You won't get, you know... Am I going to have a con? If I have a conversation with somebody, I actually ask, What value am I going to get from this conversation? Is it a good use of my time or should I not have this conversation? So, if you want to go and have a conversation with a property investor, you go, Well, is this just a conversation about stuff or is this uh, somebody who you're going to go and talk to and actually raise money with who want- you want to do work with? And if it's a second of those things, then I'll do that. So, I'm now very specific about the conversations that I have and who I have them with so that I'm not exchanging my my time and not getting a particular output. So I'm actually I'm actually very, um, what's the word? I can't remember the phrase. Targeted on and looking at yeah. the output of why I do it. So, so, so I do it with, I do it with in, intentionality is the phrase. Mm-hmm. So, so I'm very intentional about the conversations I do and who I have them with and when, when, when I do them. And then the third one I'd say is, say yes to everything. So this is really hard as a project manager where you've got to control everything. My my phrase now is the project plan is a framework. Things change, okay? Don't worry about it. And the reason why I say say yes to everything is you never know where it may go. You never know what doors open, will Mm. open. You never, you know, you turn down an invitation to a meeting or you don't go to a networking event. Be intentional about going, but go with an open mind and go, 
where's this going to go? Who am I going to meet? What am I going to see? But okay, if I don't, those things don't happen, what am I there for? Is it to meet people? What, what is it for? Because most of my opportunities have actually gone, have happened through just saying yes. Mm. And actually someone goes, would you like to do this? And you just go, yes. Don't know how the hell it's going to turn out. Don't know what's going to happen. Who knows where it goes? And it doesn't matter. Just say yes, because that's when the opportunities come along and that's and that's when magic happens. Because you never know who you may meet. You never know what connections you may make. You never know when they're going to help you in the future. Exactly. And it's a lot more fun saying yes than no anyway. Oh, tell you, tell me about it. <laughs> I, I am most definitely, a, do you know the, the the vanilla and chocolate thing? Yeah. So so for me, it's like I, I am both. I'm, I want both. I want, I'm an and guy. Don't make me choose between either and all. It's, I want both. Want, How can we make you both? Cake and you want to eat it. Yeah. Oh, that's number four. There you go. How, <laughs> ask, ask yourself. How can you make, how can you do both things? Don't accept just one thing. Work yeah. out and challenge yourself how you can do both, have both things. People are a lot more resilient than they think, right? Yeah, yeah. completely. So, Graham, thank you so much for coming on. If anyone wants to chat to you, get in touch with you, pick your brains, come along <laughs> to a mastermind or mentor with you, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, so, so there's a couple of ways. Uh, Facebook, find me on Facebook. I'm the guy with a crazy smile. Like that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, very happy to chat to anybody. You can also find me at maximizeyourday.com. And also thepact.club, that's T-H-E-P-A-C-T dot club. And that's all about mindset and everything else. So come along and find me there. But normally mo most people find me on Facebook, LinkedIn, connect, say hi. Happy to help you, whatever whatever questions you got. Fantastic. Graham, thank you for coming on. I've really enjoyed this chat. You have just dropped amazing value and tips for everyone listening, no matter who they are. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Thanks, everyone, for watching. This has been Founders 365, episode 34, <laughs> Graham Page. <laughs>